The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Wow, their lawn looks really good. And then I'd go to the next house, I'm like, theirs does not. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta put you to work. Yeah, because coming over here and spending an hour crawling around on your garage floor wasn't enough. Hey, at least my garage floor is clean. It is clean. I keep my garage clean, dude, because I don't ever work in there. (laughs) It better be clean. (laughs) You're going to have me come crawl on it. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Planestalkers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk some magic. Matt, how you doing today? Uh, doing well. Uh, Jake just spent an hour trying to help me fix a lawnmower that doesn't <laughs> yeah. work. Um, yeah, I got off of work, because one of us worked today. Yep. I didn't even have an easy day. I come in, I set my stuff up, and Matt's like, I gotta go pee. Hey, Walt, come with me and help me with this. Cut to 45 minutes later, I'm literally holding a gas line closed, trying to hold a carburetor up so he can spray a carb cleaner in it, just because it might be the carburetor the problem. We don't know anymore. And I go through all the trouble of getting Jake to come upstairs, and he doesn't even fix the thing. Nope. He wastes an hour of my time trying to fix my lawnmower, and it doesn't even work. So that's how today went. It turns out that I am still a delivery driver and not a small (laughs) engine mechanic. Yep. So yeah, I just did more stuff around the house today. Uh, I've been trying to get my lawn, the people, so we've only, we're not quite at a year in this house. Uh, the people who owned it before us did not take care of the lawn very well at all. I'm also, this is our first house, so I don't have a ton of experience in lawn care. So I'm trying to like, it's one of the like projects I've been trying to do is like, I want to try to get the lawn up to snuff myself with some help, but like, I don't want to hire somebody to do it unless I just can't get it to go. So I'm going to try this year. I've gone all out. It's been treated multiple times. (laughs) I put grass seed down today. (laughs) And then of course I put grass seed down and then I look at the weather. It's supposed to, uh, there's a frost warning tonight. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, God, why? (laughs) So, um, I, I am the exact opposite. I, uh, I literally cut my grass a little extra tall. So they don't have to worry about it. I can just leave it be. Yeah. Well, the problem is, so what happened last year, we got a pretty serious drought where it didn't, I mean, it didn't rain for like five or six weeks and mm-hmm. that nuked my grass in some spots. And so there's a lot of weeds. There's There were already a lot of weeds and then yeah. it killed the grass and now there's even more yep. weeds. I was pretty lucky. I, uh, my grass was long. I had, uh, I had not mowed in a week. Like, I was like a week or two behind. Yeah. And that drought hit. And a lot of my grass did die, but it came back really healthy because it was really, it was yeah. tall and long. It was very, it was in a very good spot Spot when we had our huge drought. Yeah. And the, on top of that, I don't have them. I've got maybe two or three inches of topsoil because it's just a neighborhood mm-hmm. plot. So under, like Amanda's dug deep for our garden and you get under the topsoil, it's just clay. Yeah. So like, I don't have, like my grass doesn't have deep roots or anything nope. like that. So I've got to stay on top of it. And it drives me nuts because all my neighbors have great grass. And yep. so I'm like, I, I take my dogs through a walk. I'm like, theirs is better than mine. Theirs is better than mine. Theirs is better than mine. I'm like, I really Matt's need to get li- my lawn going. Living the suburban life. Yep. 
Well, give I, it give it two years and he'll be coming out screaming, "Get off my lawn!" It, I never really cared about lawns until I started delivering, and then I would notice it because I'm mm-hmm. like, "Wow, their lawn looks really good." And then I'd go to the next house. I'm like, theirs does not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I don't want to be one of the theirs does not people. Mm-hmm. So um, other than that, I've uh, been digging into Pioneer, which we'll get a, to later. Uh, bought a bunch of cards over the weekend. Any Pioneer cards? Uh, not yet. I haven't decided decks yet. Um, so, And I do not. I have about 30% of the Pioneer metagame, but none of it's in a deck mm-hmm. like i've got a bunch of lands i like i have a bunch of pioneer legal cards mm-hmm. but i don't have like a whole deck or even like half of a deck yeah so i'll probably have to drop between three and six hundred dollars on a deck <laughs> once i decide so i'm trying to be very you are in fairness buying one of the more expensive decks yeah i mean there's a couple there's a couple that are in like the one to twos there's a few that are in the three to fours and then there's quite a few the ones that at least looking at the metagame that seem a little bit better and more up my alley are in the four to six range. Mm -hmm. And I would rather spend 600 bucks on a deck. I actually want to play than 300 on one. I don't. Yeah. I mean, how annoying would it be to like go through the effort of like building a deck that kind of sucks dick, like an affinity style deck and then go to a bunch of tournaments with your friend who bought into this format. Cause he, cause you said you'd go hang out with him and do it and then be like, I don't have fun with this format. I'm not going to go anymore. Yeah. That'd be, Brutal. I'd hate to be the other guy. It'd be really annoying to have spent like five. <laughs> I mean, all I did was buy Urza Sockets. <laughs> yeah, spend like five or six hundred bucks on a modern deck that he really enjoys playing and can totally go play by himself. Yeah, you should go play. I should by myself. But yeah, um, to be fair, I don't go to tournaments by myself either. Um, but yeah, just been playing uh, Stardew Valley with my wife a little bit more. Um, I started playing Final Fantasy IX. I know there's been a lot of people oh, that Vic's were really going to be so mad. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I've been trying to like. I've been trying, I've been kind of on like a downswing of games lately, and I was hoping something with a narrative would kind of hook me in a little bit more. So I was like, I'll play through Final Fantasy IX because, like, I got my PlayStation 4 a couple years ago just to play the classic Final Fantasies. You know, it has a pretty cool story Final Fantasies 7, 8, or 9, <laughs> or Elden 10, Ring. or 12. <laughs> It takes a little work to understand it, and there's some really good resources on YouTube. Some really like Vata Vidya is a really good guy, puts up great videos on like lore and story and whatnot. But Elden Ring's got a pretty cool story. Yeah, I don't deny that at all. Uh, at no point has Final Fantasy IX made me want to throw my controller through my TV. <laughs> and uh, modern controllers don't have cords to prevent you from doing that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I uh. At least for now, I plan on holding off on Elden Ring. I may get it when it's on sale or maybe over the summer where work isn't quite as stressful and I have some like downtime where like I just have a couple days to play, but I don't currently want to add something that's just going to really annoy me. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how I've been. Long care in Stardew Valley. Elden Ring can certainly be like equal parts... Like joy and frustration. Well, you and if you're I not mean, prepared for equal parts frustration, like, like, it's, like I've said before, I've played a bunch of old video games and like Final Fantasy Eleven and sh- stuff like that, where it's just like it's designed to be super hard, so that when you win, you actually do get a sense of accomplishment, mm-hmm. and that's something that a lot of I, that's to me is one of the biggest boons of that game, and why it's so popular is just like there's. So a good example of this, if we're just compare it in a realm that I know a little bit more, Final Fantasy XI versus WoW, where World of Warcraft, outside of like the like tippy top of rating, is generally considered a pretty easy game. 
And it's fun to like work through those progressions and whatnot, but the sense of accomplishment you get just isn't there. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if you, I mean, there were bosses in Final Fantasy XI that were beaten like once legitimately in the history <laughs> of the game. Like it was designed to not be beaten. Like yeah. it was it was the Dark Souls of MMOs yep. basically. And like the people who beat that get that super high. They have actual bragging rights. Like there's probably less than 100 people who've beaten Absolute Virtue like legitimately when Mm -hmm. it was still like it got they increased the level cap and whatnot so obviously it's different now yeah but in its era like that's something oh real it feels really good when i see all these tiktoks of people struggling with melania and like killing her and like falling out of their chair it took you what six attempts yeah i fought her like five six times yeah don't get me wrong i used a mimic and i used rivers of blood but like like six tries so there's i'm just i've accomplished most of what i want to accomplish in games and now i don't look when i'm oh. playing games i'm not looking for like that sense of accomplishment or pride i'm just looking for like fun and mm-hmm. stress relief more than anything so elden ring is stress relief when you're level 180 i i don't doubt it it was fun <laughs> to goof around on your character yeah max level kind of and, rolled around and one, one of the biggest things is like i do actually get really emotionally invested in games i put a lot of time into so when i was just playing your character I don't care if I die because I'm just goofing off on your file and it doesn't matter. Even at that level, if I got like fighting that last boss that we were kind of beating our heads against the wall, that would have been like rage inducing for me Mm -hmm. because I'm like, why can't I beat this? Yep. Like that. And it doesn't take very long, Uh, two or three tries. And I start to get legitimately upset and like, I can feel my blood pressure rise. So fair. Yeah. Elden Ring's probably going to be on the back burner for a while for me. You did do one thing for the podcast uh, over the last yeah, week. Yeah, uh, I uh, made us an Instagram account. Um, it's not going to be anything like super serious or anything, but like I'll be posting. It's just Cantrip Cartel on Instagram. I'll be posting like magic memes, stuff like that, like pictures of cards. I might put like deck lists up there. Um, but like, you know, feel free to go follow there if you just want dorky magic memes. Yeah. But that's going to be uh, mostly Matt's social media stuff. I'm not going to touch Instagram too much. Yeah. Mostly because I don't have time because I'm trying to manage Twitter and Discord and Facebook when I can. Yep. So, yeah, that's me. That's all I've been doing. How about you? For me, mostly what I've been working on for the last week or two is one of the Mustangs that I have been training. So Dave went home a while ago and I haven't heard anything. And usually no news is good news. Yep. So he hasn't come back horrible yet. This new one, actually, I haven't even named her yet, but... She's way worse. She's way harder. So Dave was very lovey, very affectionate. Um, and when they draw into you like that, when they like want to be near you and when affection is a genuine reward, it's way easier to work with them and t- train yeah. them. Like when I reach out with like my hand or a thing, like he wants to smell it. He wants to learn. He w- He's interested. This one is like, fuck off. Yeah. Just be not Stay away me. from me. Yeah. And you got to force her to do everything she needs to do. It's, and... it's She very begrudgingly does a lot of it. And yeah. she does have some draw. And what, draw is, um, the idea of a horse drawing into you would be like, if I walk away, they follow. Yeah. That's like a horse draws yep. to you. They want to be near you. And that's how you can tell, like, like I don't, <laughs> I'm not abusing horses. And they, like, the horses don't fucking hate me. Because, like, if I, like, before this horse ever wore a halter. I'd do something, I'd back away, she'd take like three steps towards me. It's that whole like, no, I feel safer near mm-hmm. you, at least to an extent. But like when you get right up on her, she like her ears perk up and she's like, okay, you've never killed me yet, but like you but could. You, I've only known you 10 times, so. Yep, this could be the time. This so. could be the one. And she's really having a hard time working her down out of that. And obviously like 
trying to work a horse while they're pent up and anxious. Like I can't spend the next six months trying to get her to calm down. I have to keep moving through stuff, but it makes it harder. Yeah, it's, it, you got to push a little differently and whatnot. But we got um, got to where I could like um, you know move a halter around her, which it people who've never worked mustangs, so everybody. Yep. It's it's hard to understand just how little energy or how little motion it takes to set these things off. And I think I talked about on the show, but like important thing to remember is like these horses ran from mountain lions. Like everything eats them. That's all they think about. So for perspective, everyone's probably seen a horse on TV or whatever, seen someone like walk. Like so, you pet a horse, right? If you are if you're working a Mustang and you pet a horse and you bring your second hand up, it's way too much. Two hands is twice as much as one, and it's too much. They're mm-hmm. gone. Poof. Like there's a there's a huge learning curve between one hand touching you and now two two hands touching you. And so we got we've worked up to that. We've done like halter stuff, like getting the like obviously getting a halter like up over them. Because you think about putting a halter on, we use rope halters, and essentially what has to happen is you have to reach underneath them in some way to get it. You know the way you put a normal halter on is you would like I would reach over the neck with the halter in one hand, reach underneath and grab it. Okay, well, this is just a bear trap around her neck. Right. Shockingly, she doesn't like that. She's going, two hands, two hands. Yeah, that's a lot of two hands. <laughs> yep. So what we'll do is I'll, I will, I'll toss it over her neck and I'll let it hang, which also is terrifying. Crossing eyes is very scary for horses. Um, like if you're on your left and then they see you something see on stuff the right. right. So it's important to remember with horses, um, their eyes don't cross in the middle like ours do, at least not to the same extent. They don't. They see two images yeah. because they're prey. That's Most prey sees two images so they can see more. And so when, yeah, when you bounce out of one eye into the other, it can be very scary. So just that like reaching over their, I've had horses where like I'll be scratching them, reach over their neck and when that hand pops into the eye, they lose it because yep. it's just a thing appeared. Yep. They don't have like that really good object permanence to know that, thing over here is now over there. So you get the halter over the neck, you work through that. Then you have to get to where you can reach under them, which you know where their jugular is, right under their neck. Right where those lions go. Yeah, right those lions. So they're a little nervous. And so you get through that, you get the halter around and you work. And then you have to get up over their nose, which shockingly enough, most horses don't like having their nose grabbed, but you got to work on getting them comfortable up near their face, over their nose, work on tying it. And then, so we got that one day and I slowly worked through, got the rope on. And this is where they all lose their mind because for the first time in this horse's life, she is going to be held down. I shouldn't say first time because she's been like putting stocks, but like she has she has agency and she's being restricted. Mm-hmm. And so you like you'll walk around, you'll do stuff, and the first time they go to like walk away and they feel that tug, they lose it. And she went full bucking bronc, ballistic, up, down, side to side, all the way around. And I fought her and fought her and fought her. Just kind of just what you do is you just stay with them. Keep a little pressure on. Literally, like, keep her safe because she's in a round pen. And she'll bash her head. She'll jump through the round panel. She has no self-preservation because as far as she's concerned, she's dying. Yep. So, like, literally, like, while this... Keep her away from the pen. Thousand-pound animal is trying to get away from what she's pretty sure is, you know, death. Yeah, steer her into the center. Keep her away from stuff until she can, like, calm down and settle down. And then when she does reward her give her some space love on her a little bit if you can blah 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 and went through like five or six times of that the first day finally had through a first day um and it went well like she never got away she never anything nothing ever went crazy well other than the horse going crazy but yeah. nothing more than i expect went back over the week after the weekend and monday was like amazing so obviously i don't go out on tuesdays when we record but i went out yesterday and like got to walk up to her pretty quickly and approach her and you know love on her a little bit she's wary but okay with it Got to halter her um, 
relatively quickly, even though, so I, the halter came out quick and she was fine with it, but we did a lot more like desensitizing stuff. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to walk over to this side. I'm going to push your butt around just this way. Just keep going in and out of the eyes and crossing yeah. over and, and just like we did a lot of like sensitivity stuff, which was I trying to be like a little more understanding of, you know, how scared she is. And then we put a halter on and she never really like just blew up. Which is really cool. Like getting those first couple steps forward is very hard. We got like literally maybe one step or two steps. The whole like because it makes no sense to a horse. You put a little halter on them and they have a little rope behind their head, and like there's pressure on the back of their head, and <laughs> they have to go forward. And I mean like just they don't know that. Yeah, they just feel pressure on the back of their. That head. doesn't make any they sense. They don't know what that means. I mean, oddly enough, their first instinct is to pull away. Yeah, because that's your first instinct is to fight away from something. You fight something. That's just. Everyone knows a person who's their first instinct is to fight something, and that's what you do. You fight new things, and so you have to teach them to give to that pressure and to to come forward. And we had like maybe one step, and by the end of this second workout, we were doing like we were walking full laps, just having her come with me and follow behind me. It was a really good workout. She made a lot of progress that day. I was really proud of her. Awesome. That's my, that was my big accomplishment over the last week was working her up to that, and then getting her haltered and working her through that. Because that's obviously that's a huge jump between. When you have a wild Mustang who's like, don't be within 20 feet of me. Like, I mean, literally, they're in pens outside. Yeah. Walking past the large pen outside, they they run to the opposite corner. Because that's, that's too close. 20 feet is too close to where now I can literally walk up to them. I can calmly... Because there's no there's no point in trying to force this horse to do anything. You yeah. can't, I, this horse weighs You're a thousand pounds. You're not going to physically no. manipulate you, this horse. You, me, and your wife, and our three best friends couldn't... Th- physically make this horse do anything yeah because he's got she's got four legs she weighs a thousand pounds and she's just muscle so you and to, one kick could kill any one of us yes yeah one <laughs> yeah. kick could yeah it'll break your leg it'll break your arm it'll break anything it touches and they kick so fast i've seen it it's just like it's it's like quicker than a second yeah. it's like the blink of an you, eye and somebody's injured if you're not looking you don't see it yep it's like bruce so, lee it's it's one of those things it's kind of cool it's because um, it hits me a lot of times when I'm working them. I'll have to get our, we'll have to get going soon because we're getting along. But yep. this I'm very passionate about this, so it's fun to talk about. There is so much trust that has to go both ways because one, she's uh she's terrified I'm going to eat her because I have sharp teeth and two eyes pointing forward, yep. and that's what cougars have. So she's terrified I'm going to eat her because and also everything else in the world eats her. So she has to trust me a lot that I'm not going to eat you, that I'm here to help you, I'm here to be a part of your team. We are together in this, and I will help you through whatever you're doing. And I have to trust her to not just kill me or break my leg or whatever. Because I I work very close to them, um, you know, and she could very easily reach around and bite me, kick me, and not even maliciously, just out of fear. Yep. There's plenty just of times a reaction. Where I'm working her and she gets nervous and she'll run right by me. And like I could reach out and grab her butt, which means she could reach out and kick me in the chest. Or she could just run into you. She could just run She'd you just over. just as easily be yeah. two she feet just, to the left and hit you. Just plow through you. Yep. And there's a lot of situations where you get in as a trainer where I'm putting a lot of trust in this animal to not just hurt me. And it almost always pays off. And that's a big part of that being a trainer is knowing when to make those calls and when not to. But yeah. that is a big part of it is a lot of trust goes both ways where I could easily kill her. And she'd have a hard time killing me, but she could ruin my next three months. Pretty easily. Yeah. The other thing I did, um, <laughs> so I did, I've been working on this for a couple of weeks. We've had a couple of people reach out to us and ask how they could help support the show as we are trying to grow and get better, which, talking about growing, we hit, I think as of yesterday, 10,000 like listens and downloads and all, whatever, all the things put together, but like 10,000 separate, down, I, I call them downloads, yeah. 
that is so much bigger than I thought we'd ever get in the first year. I, I thought it'd be really And we're not amazing. even at a year. Yeah, we're at like nine months. I thought it'd be really cool if by the first, end of our first year, we were getting like 100 or maybe 200, you know, downloads an episode. That'd be pretty cool. Like now we're getting, we're getting hundreds. Which, I mean, we're not killing it, but like we're getting hundreds of downloads, 10K lifetime. It, it's shocking. It's, I put a thing up on Twitter and if you guys didn't see it, it's, it's nothing less than shocking that so many people are, are happy to support us just with their time. That being said, we have had a few people ask how they can support the show more directly because we have like computers and we have a lot of equipment and we're still up. I bought a new microphone. I bought a new boom arm. We're still upgrading as as we can. So I did start a Patreon for us. The Patreon is just patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. We've got several tiers in there starting at a dollar because I will never turn away anyone who wants to help support us for any amount um, up through various things. We've got tons of cool things. I, tr- I tried to put a lot of thought into like what I could offer you guys. Um, we are going. I am going to be getting a private Discord built soon so that people that are on the Patreon can a little more directly talk to us and give a little more like weighted feedback. Obviously, every fe- all feedback is is appreciated patreon feedback will be a little more weighted hopefully we'll have some cool things like i'm gonna start doing and matt might too weekly like q a's we're all trying to stream for an hour or so at uh, like on a saturday play like elden ring or magic online and people can hop in and just like chit chat and ask questions and yeah. kind of get a little more one-on-one time if they want to uh some of our tiers have a really cool thing where you can uh, we call it force the issue so if there's something you really want to talk about or want to have us talk about you can submit a request to basically make us discuss what you think is interesting. That within reason, obviously. Within reason, yeah. I mean, you can't make us talk about, you know, the political structure of Uganda. I'd be terribly interested to do that, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but within reason, you guys can submit, like, a really interesting thing for us to talk about. And there's all kinds of stuff in there. A magic-related thing to talk about. Ideally a magic-related thing to talk about. Although it would be cool to do an entire episode. I guarantee Vic would put it in for an episode of just Final Fantasy XI and Elden Ring. I'll do that. <laughs> and and our also we're going to start putting out some more supplemental content that we're going to we're going to put on Patreon only. So like right now we're going to start off with today we're going to touch into Pioneer and then we're going to dive a little deeper in the Patreon. Yeah. And one of the things since we touched on that topic at no point do we have any intention of putting what we do now behind a paywall. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, Legacy and Modern will never go behind a paywall for sure. Um I could see even Pioneer coming out of the paywall if it's something that becomes super popular and people like it a lot. We're still kind of playing around with it, but if you guys want to check it out, really appreciate it. Obviously, if you don't, you don't have to. If you, I mean, I do appreciate your support just downloading the episode every week and listening to us talk about horses and video games. Yeah, and eventually getting over to magic. Yep, eventually. <laughs> so to to facilitate this quickly, I'll do a quick shout out to Will and Aramis over at the Plains Talkers podcast. Check them out, twitch.tv forward slash Plains Talkers podcast, both Monday and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Monday is your everything you need to know about standard podcast. Wednesday is their live play Commander Craft, where they play Commander with... Um, patrons and with just regular fans if you want to play on a game of uh, play a game of commander with them go to discord.planestalkerspodcast.com and that's kind of your entry point to everything we'll probably as long as will's okay with it i'll probably keep our like our our open patreon or not open patreon our open discord there yeah and i'll have a separate private one just for i patrons. think that's the plan yeah but I like having, I like being able to just mesh our communities together with theirs because their community is great. Yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a huge, it's a relatively large community in the Discord. But there are tons of great people. We actually got a little mini uh, Pioneer channel going where we started doing like spell table Pioneer games. But 
Over there, you can talk to Will and them and get onto a Commander Craft episode pretty easily. You could also sign up for one of their win-a-box tournaments. Every standard set, they give out a free box. So, like, the Streets of New Capena tournament just ended, and they'll be mailing his box out soon. But once we have our next set come out, whichever one that is, is that Dominary United? Couldn't tell you. Magic's release schedule is... I mean, I can bring it up real quick, but I don't know. Don't even worry about it. It's whatever the next standard legal set is, they'll be giving out another box and they'll host another free tournament for people to join into. So discord.plainsoccerspodcast.com. Commander Legends, then Infinity, then Dominaria. So Dominaria United is our next standard set. Yes. But uh, one more time, Will and Aramis, really fun guys, really great show. And again, since we touched on it, they definitely gave us a boost when we started. Yes. Like that was, we couldn't, we would not be where we're at right now. Without not, them. Not only a boost in attention by letting us be a part of their show and helping shout us out, but they also gave us a huge boost in production and editing right. and it, been knowledge. Good, uh, mentors Very through the whole mentors. process. Yep. So Will more Aramis didn't really do anything. Yeah, screw that guy. And I don't think he even listens to the episode, so he won't <laughs> even know I said that. <laughs> but Will's been great. All right, Matt. So now that we're 25 minutes in-ish, uh, how's Legacy looking? To be perfectly honest, the Sunday Challenge looks great this week. Um Delver's probably a little overrepresented, like statistically. Yeah. But if like this was just an anomaly, like if you were just if this was just a one of in the middle of like a regular year, nobody would bat an eye. Uh, so yeah, it looks great. We've got a couple. Uh, we got one in brew in particular that brought it home, and then we've got a relatively diverse uh, top eight, and for the most part, top sixteen. So mm. um, we've got Delthar bringing it home with mono black depths. So, so you were telling me about this. It's a kind of an interesting take on depths by cutting out green of the Golgari depths package because yeah. that's been a that, that was the that was the main depths yeah, for, for a while. Uh basically uh elvish reclaimer kind of pushed um turbo depths into green white depths. It's obviously a little slower yeah. but it's far more consistent. So pretty much since elvish reclaimer and green white depths has it kind of replaced that, so we haven't seen turbo depths for quite a while. This is much closer to a turbo depths list. Um, there's no realistically no real way they're going to win the game, most games without having uh, the dark depths combo. As far as like game one goes, they've got a uh, combo in the side, which we'll talk about. But hey, you Urza, lose. Urza Saga can bring home games. It can, but when you're talking about this kind of list, especially in game ones, like that's that's a backup plan. Yeah, this deck is very much geared towards just getting that 2020 and swinging once. Yeah, you're not really uh, very much a artifact deck. Like your your tokens are rarely going to be more than like 3/3s three or 4/4s, four yeah, which a couple of them can win the game. Absolutely. But, but it isn't going to be the 8/8s eight you see in other no. decks. No, it's so uh just going through the list, we'll go through the whole list since it's a new brew. Um we've got four dark confidant. Uh I'm just going to assume everybody knows what these cards do at this point. Um because it'll take forever if we don't. Yeah. Uh, we got four Dark Confidant, four Dothy Voidwalker, and four Vampire Hexmage for the um, creatures. Uh, the, the Hexmage in particular is important. That's what removes your counters off, off your Dark Depth, yep. so that's a combo piece. Uh, spells, we've got Dark Ritual for uh, just being explosive, getting this stuff going off early, and to have some just, in theory, brutal turns. Uh, you could get like a Voidwalker and a Thoughtseize off immediately. Uh, in theory, you could... Dark Ritual, Thoughtseize, Thoughtseize, Duress, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. like Just shred hands. On top of doing other broken things, but just mainly in there for acceleration. Um, and then it's also going to have a little bit more play in once you get to the sideboard. Uh, then we've got four Duress and four Thoughtseize and three Sudden Edict. Uh, sudden Edict's a relatively new card. We'll go over that. It's just a uh, Diabolic Edict. 
with split second. So Dark Player sacrifices a creature as a, it's an instant and it has split second. That's a big difference. Split That's second's huge. Huge, especially in like not only is it uncounterable, but there's a myriad of different things you can do at instant mm-hmm. speed to respond. Yeah. And it doesn't allow your opponents to do that. Uh, artifacts, we've got four expedition map, one uh, Nihil spell bomb, four pithing needle, one shadow spear. And then the land, since the land deck we will go over, four dark depths, seven swamps, four thespian stage. So there's your primary combo. You got Urborg, which helps facilitate that combo, allowing dark dark depths to tap for mana to mm-hmm. um, pay for your Thespian stage, and then Urza Saga. Sideboard, this is where it gets a little bit interesting, and it's not super spicy. You see this a lot, but we haven't seen it in a while. The big thing here is four Helm of Obedience and the four Leyline of the Void, yep. which is just an instant, not an instant kill in that it, it exiles your opponent's library, and then obviously on their draw step, they're dead. But that's a... Does it exile or... Uh, it's because it's it, actually really important now with it endurance does, because the ley line would exile it. Yeah, so it mills it, and then instead of going to the graveyard, it's exiled. Yep. Yeah, just helm of obedience. Basically, they mill until they have what two cards? Uh, we'll say we'll say two cards of the same color. It's X, but and then well, that's grindstone. Helm of obedience is you pay one. In theory, you pay one because it can't be zero. And then you mill until you hit a creature. Oh, It's yeah. mill until a creature is put into the graveyard. Yeah. But Leyline of the Void is a replacement effect, so creatures never go into the graveyard. Yep. So you mill their whole deck, on the draw step, they're dead. Yep. So reasonably, in the sideboard games, if this was what you brought in, uh, you would, Leyline would start the game on the board, and then you'd have four mana to cast the helm and one mana to activate it, because yeah. it can't be zero, right? Correct. Yep, you can't You can't pay zero. So, and that's, that's what I was bringing up with your Dark Rituals, it's going to be fairly uncommon, but being able to be super explosive with your Helm of Obedience, A, it's going to help you race, and B, it's going to give you that other angle of attack yeah. when people you know, bring in their hate for your Dark Depth. It, well, they bring in tons of creature removal, Caracas, Swords of Plowshares, uh, Prismatic Ending, yep. March of the Holy Light. Cool, you've got a bunch of bad cards in your deck, mill yourself. You can actually literally go turn one, put in Leyline, land, writ, writ, Helm, win. Correct. And again, we're talking Magic yeah, Christmas I mean, Land. Obviously, I, I'm goldfishing a deck but a I hand mean, here. You know, the simple thing is you it allows you to very easily just kill them on turn three, which mm-hmm. is one Dark Ritual. But it just just that one accelerates you just enough where you just need, you know, a Dark Rit and a land to play it and then one more mana to tap it and they're dead. Yep. So now that is one of the things Jake and I were discussing is the difference between this deck and like something like Turbo Depths is like what you're giving up and what you're getting and so I wouldn't compare this to Turbo Depths at all because with Turbo Depths you're almost always running either one or multiple forms of uh, mana acceleration with Lotus Petals and sometimes even Mox so like Chrome Mox or Mox Diamond. Well, that's what I mean. Like that's the 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 natural comparison is Turbo Depths because that's what this deck wants to do. It wants to make that 2020. So we're giving up the acceleration of Turbo Depths and the green package. Yeah, this is definitely a way. And we're switching to a slower but steadier race this is way grindier correct like running eight targeted uh discard spells and then three edicts to buy you time this is definitely a very this is this isn't black turbo depths yeah this is we've switched from turbo depths to this Mm -hmm. and uh it's interesting to it's interesting to we were talking about it before to lose green losing elvish reclaimer which is a powerhouse in these basically a b combo decks that revolve around lands and crop rotation which same thing like just a b combo crop rotation goes and gets b and you're good those are two really powerful things you lose and it looks like essentially for uh dark confidant and dothy voidwalker yep cards that i don't think are better than elvish reclaimer and crop rotation in a 
uh, Dark Depths deck. Now, clearly, they won the challenge, and that's a lot, uh, which this is hilarious. This deck costs th- yeah. 352 tickets. Not, less than $1,000. So I won. I mean, it's not totally unreasonable that this uh, deck came about from a rental limit of 400 tickets. Yeah. Um, it does have, I believe, Helm of Obedience is on the reserve list, so it's not completely reserve list free. But very, I mean, a playset of those is less than one dual land. Even a cheap dual land. Yeah. yeah. 230 bucks for a playset. So, yeah, I'm super excited to see it. I love black. I've mentioned yeah. multiple times. Black's probably my second favorite color or first. So it's a pretty cool deck. It's a it, very cool deck. As far as legacy players go, it's super budget. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is one. I, the, this is a volcanic island and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So congratulations to Delthar. Great brew. Glad to see it. Uh, we'll go through the rest of these a little quicker. The rest of the metagame, there's not a, the rest of the top eight. There's not a ton of super spicy stuff. Uh, we've got Doomsday in second place. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at the list, this list is running Ideas Unbound. That's like yep. one of the most common that I've seen flex slots. You see people running Ideas Unbound or some other like draw spell, toolbox spell there. Yeah. And Ideas Unbound seems to be one of the least like it's always like one of the least common that I see. Yet every time I'm watching someone make a Doomsday pile, my first thought is, oh, if only you had Ideas Unbound, this would be right. so much cleaner. Well, I mean, it's just one of those. It's so clean to just draw three. Yep. And you just don't care about the discard three. It's two mana draw three cards. That That's... card is literally the reason I like playing uh, Lotus Field in, or Twiddle Storm in Modern mm-hmm. because you just cast a lot of times the same Ideas Unbound four Truth. times in yeah. a turn. And it's just like, oh no, I drew 12 cards, and assuming the turn ever ends, I'll discard three, gladly. Uh, yeah, it, but it turns out when you draw 12 to uh, 15 cards in one turn, the turn doesn't end. The game does. Right. So that was second place. Uh, in third place, we've got four-color control. This is like your Jess guy with This is not dark green. bands. This is no black. Yeah, this is no black. So we've got, like I said, it's Jess guy with a little bit of green. Um, typically speaking, you would see Leyline of the Void in something like this. This one doesn't, or not Leyline of the Void. Life from the Loam. I don't know why I thought Leyline of the Void. Uh, so we've got Sylvan Library and Carpet of Flowers. Uh, Carpet of Flowers is probably the best anti-Delver tech currently. Um, that card's just a beating against that deck. Just, I do love seeing the main board Court of Grace. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, That's again, that's another card that we talked about as kind of a, it's, a it's, Jace replacement it's sort of thing. It's definitely on the fringe of being legacy playable. With maybe like a solid foot. If only in the it cost yes. three and a half mana. Yeah. <laughs> if it if it had three and a cost. Yeah. Three and a you must or three and a whatever. Or just was a little bit better. Like if it made a five five, so it was a four a four turn clock instead of a uh, five turn clock. That'd be or, like well, there's it, so many ways you could just tweak it a little bit. What it needs is to make angels with haste. Yeah. Because it's really hard to. You have to untap with it to get an angel, and then untap again to attack with a four. Yeah, angels with haste would have made. I mean, obviously, we can make a million ways that card would have been better, but it's definitely one of those like it has one foot in the probably good enough, and you see it sometimes in decks like this. Yep. So otherwise, this deck looks pretty straightforward. We've seen a lot of this stuff before. It's one of those just kind of blue soup piles, uh, lightning bolts, prismatic endings, swords, expressive iteration. Expressive expressive iteration is kind of the backbone of these decks anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just Three Snapcaster Mage is huge. It is. I'm. I was actually happy to see that. I love Snapcaster Mage. I'm really and glad one of when my it pops up in lists like this. One of my probably favorite creatures to see in Legacy Monastery Mentor. Yep. I my I am a Monastery Mentor fanboy. I love that card. So, um, shout out to you, Kyle, in Canada. The um, sideboard doesn't seem to have anything particularly spicy there. So, moving on from that, in fourth place we've got Eight Cast. Uh 
This doesn't seem to have anything particularly new hey, as well. Four Capican Nears new. That's three three's been the right decision for a long time. Yeah, but I mean that's new, but it's not new. Hey, when we get to Delver, <laughs> we'll talk about oh, I got a brazen bar instead of uh, instead well, of a chain lightning. There's fifteen Delver in the top thirty two yep, and we gotta come standard. up with something. Yep. I'm telling so I uh I was talking about a little bit on some of the groups I put up the uh Void Rend, mm-hmm. the new Esper uh, it's uh, it's, it's really a vindicate. It's a well. It's I would say it's abrupt decay. Yeah, it's abrupt decay, but it hits anything, any non-land permanent. Keep your eyes on that, guys, man. I think, I really think. So we last week we went a whole like in too deep, and I still maintain that card's great. Uh, Void rend, I think, is a good reason to pull somebody into Esper control with the ability to run one or two void rends in your deck to just clean up any bullcrap like a Murktide or like a Kappa Cannoneer because that can't be countered. Pulls right through Ward Four. Because yeah. Ward 4 would counter it, it. Yeah, it doesn't say it can't be targeted unless you play 4. Yep. It says, if it's targeted, counter it unless exactly. you play 4. That's a big difference. Like, that card, and it definitely wouldn't be a 4 of, but, like, it hits so many of the really problematic, really sticky threats that just end the games immediately. Yeah. I think that card has legs, if we can get enough support to make Esper Control worth it. That's that's one of those kind of cards that's in the same category as the... Uh, Court of Grace. Yep. Where it's just like it is on the le- it's like yeah. on the edge of like if the metagame shifts just right. Yeah. Like if, for example, if eight cast took over, you could see that card being played and people pivoting into black in yep. order to get that. If eight cast or similar decks were that like control is all about building your deck to line up with the current threats in the tournament you're mm-hmm. playing. And if you're expecting a lot of stuff like that, I could abs. The card's good enough. Yeah, it's, it's just, just it's whether ni- to me, it's whether black is good enough. It's a nice tool for control to have access to, at least in the box. Correct. I let's, 100% agree there. Let's just bump down to seventh place. <laughs> no, <laughs> bad Jake. <laughs> it's time for elves to shine. We've got two of my favorite elves players taken in fifth and sixth. This seems like a great opportunity to just compare their decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fifth place, we've got Aaron the Relentless, and in sixth place, we've got Julian. Got to make so, sure and really enunciate that we're comparing their decks i we are comparing their decks <laughs> congratulations julian you're probably not listening but if you are we love you i love seeing you take down tournaments top eighting obviously you didn't win this one but a love elves b love julian so just looking at the lists this will take me a second just to compare them one collector of don't worry i'll fix it all in post good <laughs> gotta put you to work yeah, because coming over here and spending an hour crawling around on your garage floor wasn't enough. Hey, at least my garage floor is clean. It is clean. If I keep bet, my garage clean, dude, because I don't ever work in there. <laughs> it better be clean. <laughs> You're gonna have me come crawl on it. Yep. Uh, so with just looking at the creatures and spells and whatnot, the lists look the same. I haven't looked at the sideboard yet, and that they're probably it looks like they're mostly the same. There's one. One has one mind break trap. Uh, and a run afoul. The other has two mind break traps. So it looks like they've both kind of settled on this list. This list here with Elvish Reclaimer um, and Archon of Valor's Reach seems to be the one that's getting the most success. Uh, three once upon a time seems to be where people have settled at. So we're basically running in in the tech the technical sense in Abzan uh, Elves list. There's one Grist and one Archon, mm-hmm. um, and then you've got 
but do you ever even cast? I mean, you I, the Gris could get cast. But I don't even see you. The re- Ar- almost never cast the Archon. You, it's pretty rare, but the Birch Lore Rangers does make it easy. Just getting one white isn't that bad. I would say easy. It makes it possible. It, I mean, it's just it's tap two elves. Like obviously, if you're paying yes, six for something. What I'm saying though is the mana base has no white. Right, but they the, make it possible. Yeah, it, that's not a problem. Tip, yeah. Like in in your actual games, what most of the time happens if you're looking to cast an Archon is you go Green Sun Zenith out of Birchlore. Yeah. So like it's very much castable. The biggest thing is whether or not you can get to six. That's It's harder to get to six than it is to get to one white is basically what it boils down to. But yeah, in a lot of like in that same scenario, depending if you had your guy's cradle, you just Green Sun out the Archon. Like there's a there's a lot of different angles mm-hmm. of attack here. But um, so, so how do you get two of each color then for Progenitus? You need a glimpse chain. I've done it, and I've seen it done. <laughs> and it's a hell of a lot of fun when you're just like uh, double white, double blue, double black, double red, double green, 10-10. And then lose because they have a Merc Titan and outraces you. Right. <laughs> but don't get me wrong. They get tons of points for being able to hard cast a Progenitus. Yeah. And it, Legacy. That's just one of those things where you're like, like if you were playing on an Xbox, it'd be like, achievement unlocked. Yeah. <laughs> 10G. <laughs> um, How in the world is Progenitus not uncounterable? You could literally throw a daze in front of that. I know. <laughs> well, this is Progenitus is a good example of what of power creep. Like yeah. if you look at Progenitus, Progenitus is a worse card in almost every actual metric that matters than Merktide Regent. You're probably getting really close to like just having better things to splash instead of Progenitus in the side. Yeah, it's it just the the great thing about Progenitus with me is it just beats the hell out of fair matchups. And it's just like it's just mm-hmm. so easy to just swap in, like, just as a throwaway, take out your Archon, put in a Progenitus, and then yeah. just beat the crap out of some of these decks. Where it's like this just needs to stick and it's game over. Mm-hmm. There's just so many decks that just can't beat it at all. Um, the other interesting thing, this has been a relatively recent pickup, and we haven't seen Elves top eight in a few weeks, so we haven't really got to talk about it. Snuff out. I saw that. Uh, Snuff Out is just one of those things. Like, to me, that just reeks of we need an answer to Merktide. When we were playing uh, in Ohio and testing for it, that was one of the, like, in that matchup, elves can absolutely outgrind Delver, but you just can't deal with an 8-8 flyer. Yeah. Like, that, the game just ends like, too quickly. I wasn't I wasn't even joking. Like, Progenitus does just out, or sorry, That's what out-raced. I mean. It's, but well, especially against a Merktide where your life total on average is going to be lower. Yep. You do get some chip damage in against uh, Delver because you can force some awkward attacks, like if their Delver hasn't flipped yeah, yeah, or but, whatever. But like on average, on any given turn five or six, your life total is going to be lower. Yeah. And that that Merktide's frequently an 8-8. It's almost always when they cast it a two-turn clock, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Progenitus is. <laughs> Progenitus is almost always a two-turn clock, mm-hmm. whether they're at 11 or 20. Yep. So, and if you're at anything less than most likely 16, yeah, Merktide is also a two. Which is block. not, I mean, when you consider there's what a few lands in the deck that you just play. Well, you got you almost always fetch, so you're going to yeah. fetch at least once or twice. You're going to get hit from a lightning bolt, Delver, or any other yeah, card. The, the odds that you make it to turn four and haven't been hit twice with Delver or DRC are almost non-existent. Correct. So you're probably sitting at like 14, which means. That Merktide... It doesn't even have to be the 8-8 in yeah. order to be lethal. Or Merktide and Delver might be, you know... Right. Might be lethal. So it's... it's Snuff out is super important. Or be... Mer- I, like, what, what'll happen is it'll be Merktide, Bolt... It'll be Merktide, Delver, and then the Bolt they've been saving. And this is this is the... Correct. This is the interesting thing, and this is where Elves players have been trying to react to the metagame a little bit. When Ragavan was around, we were running Fatal Pushes inside. Mm-hmm. Now that Ragavan's not around, you gotta have Snuff out to deal with the actual threat. So, 
That's just it that's kind of where we're life. That's not nothing. It's definitely not nothing, but it's it's either four or eight. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> worth it, but yep. it's not nothing. And it is tech again. It's one of those things that's technically castable. You're not always going to pay for. I'm it. just waiting for Blue Red Delver to bounce into Grixis so they can run just to run snuff outs for the mirror. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Um, in seventh place, Tony Scapone. We have that's a, big, a big big name. This is listed as Grixis the Epic Gamble. It's not. It's basically a mono red list with Echo of Aeons and some like black stuff in the side. This is Ruby Storm, isn't it? Um, I guess it's not Ruby Storm because they don't run the Ruby. Yeah, it's this is a um a Burning Wish and a Galvanic Relay. Yeah, effectively it's and a I guess wish, mono wish. red. I guess we'll just call it Galvanic Relay. They don't really have like a, a, the Epic Gamble. Yeah, I mean it runs Gamble. That's it's a, it's a sure. it's a it's kind of weird because like it really fe- it really like looks and feels like a Ruby Storm list, but you're not running the rubies, so it's kind of feels wrong yeah. to call it Ruby Storm. But it'd be fair, I guess. Gamble does it gets your echo in the graveyard yeah. and like it like it like, does. It's not just a throwaway card. Like you've got Burgies to generate to start making your uh, your just spells in general produce mana and to make your uh, wow what are they called? What's the word for your rituals? Just go bananas. Yeah. You've got all the rituals. Um, yeah, you've got five wish effects out of the sideboard with burning wish and just good old fashioned wish, the Gavanic relay to um, postpone and go off insane next turn. All of the soul lands and fast mana. Yeah, only seven lands in general, mm-hmm. or like specifically, there's four. Well, there's seven lands and then there's four of the flip cards. Yeah, it's the shatter skull smashing. Yeah. There's definitely instances where that will kill a thing and it's relevant, although it feels rare. Yeah. It's just one of those things better to have than a mountain. Yeah. So that is that in seventh. And in eighth, we've got Esper. It's listed as Stoneblade. This is actually Esper Vile. Gotcha. So this is one of why I'm always like, wait to see what it is before I rattle off the deck name. Anything that's like not like tier one or two. Yeah. It it doesn't handle super well. Goldfish doesn't always name it perfectly. Now this one, I don't know if this is super common or this. So this, this isn't Esper Vile in the way we normally think of Esper Vile. This looks like it's using Cephalid Illusionist to mill yourself mm-hmm. and win with Thassa's Oracle. Yep. So it, so you've got a Stoneforge package in there to get Batter Skull. Yeah. If you need to, um, but obviously it gets your Shuko as well. Shuko combos with uh, what's that thing called? Yeah, Cephalid Illusionist, where. Whenever Selfalid Illusionist becomes the target of a spell or ability, you mill three. Yep. So with Shuko, you can, it'd be Shuko and another creature, because it has equip cost of zero. Yeah. You just equip infinitely. You equip everything. You, you equip, unequip, equip, unequip, equip, unequip, and you mill your entire library. You will you and then you'll cast your Thassa's Oracle. Does it run the uh, cast from the graveyard? Yep, and it runs Dread Return. Yep. So you can, one, you could just cast your Thassa's Oracles in your hand, or you have the Dread Return with the Narcomoebas yep. to sack the Narcomoebas, cast your Dread Return, cast your Thassa's Oracle from the graveyard. We saw this with, uh, this is the oops, this is, that is usually the, the traditional win con for oops all spells. Yep, just mill this yourself is, and Dread Return. This is just a Yorion, um, not like not like a stack stack, but like a uh, Stoneblade, like mid-range deck with a solid combo finish. Yeah. Yeah, just this one, you lose a lot of your... Uh, the other card, I don't know if you know this, Jake, uh, but it just popped up. Uh, Nomads of Encore, that's your other... You don't have to yes. use Shuko. Yes, It's yes. your just pay zero, and that one you that's can... That's the other one. Yeah. Because you, yeah, you pay zero to redirect damage. That's what I was looking for, creature. but for whatever reason, 
in my head, I was thinking the creatures were listed alphabetically. And so mm. I went down and I was like, where's the nomads? Because yeah. that's the that is the old school combo that was that's been around well, for it's a all while. easier too. Yeah. Otherwise you you do suddenly have two creatures, but yeah. that technically the Shuko makes it a three piece combo because you would need two creatures in the Shuko. Although, in fairness, the Shuko probably got tutored with the Stoneforge, but yeah, we we have learned, especially in a regular deck, not not to mention a Yorion deck, you have to have redundancy in your combo pieces. If Correct. you're trying to build a combo deck that literally has like four of this and four of that, it's a lot harder. You're just you're probably not going to get there until you have at least four of one thing and eight of another. You have you need like usually it's one combo piece or one combo payoff and an eight enablers is kind of the minimum. Yep, before one, you... I mean, uh, Black Depths is a perfect example of that. You've got your Dark Depths and then you have four Vampire Hex Mage and four Thespian Stage. Yes. Like you have to, you can't just rely on having four, four, four of two cards and then just hoping to draw them. Green White Depths, you don't get the Vampire Hex Mage, but you're running 12 Crop Rod effects. Right. And so those are your enablers to get these pieces out. And that's, yeah, the Nomad Encore and the Cephalid Illusionist, like you need... Eight seems to be the max. I mean, obviously, I'm sure twelve is where you want to be, but like eight's the minimum. If you don't have, if you can't. Well, sixty would be where you'd want to yeah, be. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can't, well, what's that? What's the old math where it's like how many lightning bolts do you run, and it's like twenty-seven or whatever yeah, to make you the just, curve out right? Yep. So but, you're just always killing them on turn yeah, three. You, I think if you cannot produce a breakable effect eight times, you're gonna have a very hard time building a consistent um, deck. Especially even in even in Legacy with Ponder. Well, and especially when you start to account for the fact that, uh, like. Something like your illusion, your first illusionist is probably going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to need redundancy just because you're going to like we're running. It, we got swords of plowshares, right? And, and this deck doesn't even. It's got force of will, but it's an eighty card deck mm-hmm. and doesn't have any of the other forces in the main. So like the odds are they're going to get a lightning bolt more frequently than you get a force of will. Yep. So really cool. You have your Umazawa Jita in the side. So if you need a if you need to pivot into a more creature oriented beat down plan. Uh, being able to ring in GTA is really cool. And mm-hmm. Lavinia, I love Lavinia. It is such a really cool Azorius creature to make your opponent play fair. Freaking hate that card. I don't it's, like playing fair. It's so good. <laughs> two mana for a 2-2. Two, two. Your opponents can't basically ramp. They can only cast spells with equal, or equal to or less than the number of lands they control. And it counters anything they cast that they paid no mana for. Yep. And it's one-sided. Yeah, of course. So yeah, that's our top eight. No blue red delver even in the top eight. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, so that should please some people. Hey, uh, legacy's fixed. Yeah, we're done. Oh, cool. <laughs> we did now, our job. Now that's again, we've had a couple decent weeks yep. of and top we've eights. Always, we've always said, and you ever judge, don't judge it by one tournament, yeah. good or bad. Yes. So going to the metagame summary, blue red delver still has six of the top thirty-two at yep. almost nineteen percent. And just so we know, delver also got ninth, twelfth, and thirteenth. It came close. So three of the top sixteen. It, um, it lost on breakers, essentially. Yeah. And, like, we talked about this before. 18-ish, 19% is where I would stop regularly complaining about Delver. Uh, I'd love to see it sit closer to, like, 15-ish percent. I think 15 is very healthy. But if we started, like, capping at 19% here and there, that'd be great. So if for, the next, improvement. if for the next three weeks we see Delver come in at 19%, then I'll start being, like, deep exhale. Whew, that's awesome. Yeah. Um. So we've got... Uh, other is listed as seven decks, so there's seven yeah. decks that, you know, MTG Goldfish doesn't know how to categorize. Uh, Stone Blade, yeah, but, but who knows what that is? Like, correct. We again, that 
Esper uh, Illusionist see, deck is considered a Stoneblade deck. I can deck. see a lot of decks that just have Stoneforge Mystic being classified yeah. as a Stoneblade deck. So, there, again, these numbers with some of these can't be trusted, but we got two Doomsday, two Eightcast, two Elves, and two uh, Tess. Man, two Elves in the top 32, and they came yeah. in, like, fifth and sixth. Well, they're... Those are the between Julian uh, Testacular is the other big one. Yeah. Those are the three that like did every. You say, did you say both their names? Uh, yeah. Okay. Aaron sure. the Relentless and Julian. Yep. So, congratulations to both of you. Elves is the best ever. That's in a over. good spot. That's for sure. It, it has been when when one of the. This is it's kind of a meme. Like when Delver's dominating, everyone goes, "Well, I got a decent Delver matchup." Elves is one of the few that actually yeah. has a decent Delver matchup. Now that's gonna, you know, wax and wane depending on which cards are popular or being used or Un- which flavor of Delver it is. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter how good the matchup is against Delver when like prismatic ending coming into the format and just becoming an immediate add-in and like it was a huge hit to Elves. Oh, just the when every control deck that you already had a hard time getting through the swords to plowshares at key moments, now they have they get to burn their prismatic endings at sorcery speed, saving their swords to plowshares for instant speed reactions. Right. Oh, there's all kinds of problems. But Elves is still very good. It is. It's probably one of the top five decks in the I, format. I agree. I've maintained Elves is one of the best underplayed decks in the format. Elves and Doomsday are up there in my they're mind. They're just hard. With, they're hard to play, so they don't get played as much, but they are probably way better than their representation would signify. Yep. Uh, most played cards. This sounds familiar to everybody. Brainstorm, Ponder, Force, Will, Days, Expressive Iteration. Hey, only 60% Brainstorm and Ponder. Hey. Not 70. <laughs> That's improvement. Yep. Well, that, that other 10% is the 10% of Blue Red Delver we're missing. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, creatures, Murktide, Delver, DRC, Reclaimer, Stoneforge, Mystic, and then Top Spell, same thing. Brainstorm, Ponder, Force, Will, Days, Expressive Iteration. So a couple exciting brews, yep. uh, a couple elf decks. So all in all, not a bad week. No, this was a good week. I Again, uh, more of these. More. Yeah. yeah, if this is what it looked like on yep. a regular basis, you wouldn't hear anybody complaining. Do not pretend. I mean, you'd hear some people complain yeah, because we're magic guess. players, but you could just <laughs> ignore them. Do not pretend that Legacy is fine. Uh, I still think there's problems with Legacy. I still think that this metagame is warped because of what Delver has done to it. But if we can settle into a top eight like this and a breakdown like this more regularly, you will hear a lot less complaining from me. And I'll find other things to look forward to or talk about in the format other than Delver creating a relatively unfun format to play in. Yeah, so well done, everybody. Yeah, good job. So hop over to Modern. We've got less diversity again than we're used to seeing. And we were talking earlier about how it's kind of bum, bum, like kind of bums you out that like Luris getting banned. And the general consensus seems to be that, like, in general, play and deck building got better, but diversity really seemed to go down. And it could be, you know, correlation and causation, and they might not be together, but, boy, it was really convenient that as soon as Luris got banned within, like, three weeks. I mean, it was quicker than that. Like, it... Just that diversity just really got cranked down. And a lot of these like really kind of iffy, like, oh, wow, look at that deck. They just stopped showing up. And that really sucks. So first place, do you have something to say? Well, I was going to say, you made fun of my affinity deck and it got 27th in the top 32. Ah, suck it. (laughs) Is that your list? Uh, Here, look at it while while I run through the next couple decks. Yeah. So first place was Demonic Tutors, a really popular and really prolific player. Uh, Actually... Yeah, we see this guy all the time. All the time. Gave Aspiring Spike a real run for his money, at least up until the end for the trophy race he did in the last season, until Aspiring Spike went on a real heater and <laughs> broke the all-time record. But Demonic Tutors is no one to laugh at. They're a very, very accomplished player. Playing a very difficult-to-play deck, Yogmoth. Yogmoth combo is a pretty tricky deck to navigate. In, like, 
I guess like the deck itself is simple in terms of like what you do, but navigating the channels and all the choices you have is very difficult. Yeah. So a very skill testing deck they ran and did a very good job with. Side note, uh, Yawgmoth actually won the Saturday challenge as well. Oh, really? Yep. Because it came it came in first and second on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, Yawgmoth tearing it up. Yep. And that usually is a sign that, again, graveyard hate is not there because that's the best way you hate this deck out is you just throw in a Nihil Spellbomb or a Grafticker's Cage or something and you shut the combo down cold. Yeah. You, the beatdown plan is still there. And that's the like, really annoying thing about Yawgmoth is like there's been plenty of games I've played against it and I've seen played against it where like you lock them down in terms of like they can't access their graveyard very well, but then they just cast two strangle root guys and hit you for four. Yeah. And then you try and the deck has twenty eight creatures. Then in you it. do some unfavorable blocks and now you're getting hit for six a turn. And it's like ah Well on top of that, Yawgmoth himself is a very good card, even if you're got not going infinite with yeah. him. It's hard to com- to keep up with the card advantage if he generates. If you're just turning extra birds and dry darbers into cards and Killing. kill spells, yep. Strong. But uh, this looks like a pretty pretty standard Yawgmoth list, at least in first place. I'm not saying anything crazy here. The uh, I guess the biggest addition would be like the Besajus, which is going to be a obviously a huge pickup for a deck like this. That yeah. the combo does fold to artifact or enchantment based. Yep. Well, there goes eight. your rest in peace. Enjoy yep. your land. By all means, have a breeding pool. I don't right. care. Uh, so second place is also Yawgmoth. Now this one is uh, splashing into red, I see, but it looks like it's just in the sideboard to yeah. run a single Magus of the Moon. Yep. Um, the deck obviously can work itself pretty well underneath a Magus, and there's a couple of decks that it just like shuts off. And um, it was I was listening to Saffron Olive, and he had a good point on this, where a lot of people play Magus of the Moon or they'll play uh, Blood Moon, and they'll like... They had a, whole, had a whole topic on this. But the idea, like, they'll put stacks pieces out and then just relax. And it's like, you need to treat your stacks pieces as time. That's all they are. Because just because you played a Blood Moon doesn't mean they're done playing. Right. Like, the player will probably draw an answer to Blood Moon. And so, or, like, if they didn't concede right away, they probably have an answer. So, well, yeah, and Magazine the Moon is a 2 2. Yeah. Make sure and treat those those stacksy spells as they're just, it's just like three turns. That's all it is. And I have one tangent. Go ahead and finish. Just, just keep in mind that. Use those turns wisely. Remember that your stacks piece doesn't do anything until you're unless you're actually winning the game. So we did have a listener comment on Reddit, and I just flat out forgot to reply to him. So sorry about that. Um, we were talking about eight mulch and why they were running that card that we were talking oh, about. Yeah. Oh, it's just as it in a general a good removal spell, but also kind of a bad punishing fire. His comment and that makes a ton of sense, and I hadn't thought about it. That deck is just dead to Magus of the Moon. It is. And that gives you an out there. Yeah, but who's running Magus of the Moon over Blood Moon and Legacy? No, get me wrong. It It is. is. And it's a one of. Yeah. Like like I said, it's just one of those things where like it does all these other things Mm -hmm. and gives you an out to a card that just nukes your whole thing. Maybe that player, I wonder if they were uh, the person who who brewed that list up and was running that that Punishing Fire or whatever it was. Yeah, I forget what that was I wonder if they were planning on seeing more Magus because Blood Moon is weaker to besage you could be maybe they're planning on like well, a I, mean, I have heard that just in general and then that makes perfect sense yeah. like your blood moon just gets nuked by people's by an uncounterable spell yeah. unfortunately i would argue that there's a lot more lightning bolts and prismatic endings although no prismatic gang's harder to cast ignore yeah. that but there's a lot more lightning bolts and there's a lot more um sorts of plowshares yeah. than there are besage use. but it's a very good point and it's something that we didn't think of so i appreciate that yep I never, I never get mad when people uh, chime in and correct us as long as it's semi-polite. No, it's I like, mean, we're wrong about everything. Hey, you so. didn't think about this, or this yep. is actually a good corner case for that. And it, uh, it's nice to to, ex- to kind of expand our knowledge a little bit and be like, that actually really makes sense. That's really clever. And that's a great example of, yeah, that deck does just shut off to Blood Moon effects, and that's a really good out 
to a Blood Moon effect through Magus. Yep. Third place, a deck we have not seen in Modern lately, actually pretty much since Lurus in the top eight. Burn. We have uh, Red White Burn. This is exactly what I expect to see in Red White Burn, but it's just cool to see it. 20 lands versus, I want to I want to say Jordan was running 21 lands. Could be. Um, no matter what, we're, we're, you know, we're picking, at, or we're doing tiny little pickets here, but uh, a pretty standard, uh, it's not Azorius. Yeah, I mean, this, this the, it's what, almost like. Matt, what's the word? What's this guild? Boros. Boros, a Boros burn list. Um, like I said, oddly enough, they, they chose to not run Luris in this Boros burn. It's You can tell it's Boros because it runs Boros Charm. That's true. <laughs> I just I just, I just didn't read far enough. And I, Boros Helix. <laughs> thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Fourth place. Four color living <laughs> this in. This is why you're in charge of our social media. <laughs> yeah. But remember <laughs> I said polite and like relatively polite criticism? Yep. <laughs> Fourth place, four color living end, uh, which kind of makes sense if you're seeing the Yawgmoth decks come in and kind of clean up. That is a great indicator. Well, first, I mean, you saw this deck cleaning up first. You saw four color living end clean up first. That's a great indicator that we're we're laxing on graveyard hate, which probably opened the door for Yawgmoth to really clean up. But while graveyard hate is low, one of the probably best combo decks or at least most consistent and powerful combo decks in modern is still four color uh living end cascade yep and we've got two of this colossal sky turtle that's yep that's the only like, that's one of the few pivot or like one flex subtlety slots. and one subtlety like the subtlety nice. and the sky turtle like the only things that we've seen that are kind of like moving in and out of this deck because it's a very uh very high cost deck to build in terms of requirements Fifth and sixth were both Azorius Hammer Times, uh, abusing that reality chip that we've seen, like, became immediately stock. The Hammer Time Discord must have worked really hard on this really quickly because this list got honed in very fast. Like, okay, a couple flex slots in the creature base, whether you're running Giver of Runes or uh, there's another one where, like, it gave protection from something or protection from red. Yeah. You know, occasionally some flex slots in, like, Blacksmith Skill or Steel Shaper Gifts, the, the ratio you're running of those, but... Um, and then I guess, in fairness, the other changes you'll see is whether you're running Cauldra and Nettle Cyst or a Sword or whatever. This one's running one Nettle Cyst and one Cauldra. That seems that seems to be the standard for the ones we've seen that actually top eight. Yeah. I don't think we've seen one using like a Swords package top no, eight in a while. They have not. And uh, like Nettle Cyst is a given, which of course is Nettle Cyst. I mean, it's a three mana 12 12 or 10 yeah. 10. And then Cauldra because it's just so ridiculously sticky. And it's one of those things you don't think about. Cauldra with pure steel paladin is gross yeah when that thing when you remove that equip for seven oddly enough it gets really good <laughs> yeah this other list looks almost identical some changes in like uh they're running uh spell pierce over the uh steel shaper's gift um the creature base is a little different they're not running the giver of runes just some really minor changes here and there Seventh place is a list we haven't seen in a while, Azorius Control, just straight Azorius Control, not like Elementals or Flicker or whatever. So this is... Set, I mean, this looks like a legacy list. Kind of. Seven Planeswalkers, three, uh, the Three Fairy, two Wandering Emperor, which are at still $35, $40 a piece. I don't see those going down anytime soon. They, just see, they see so much play. And they're, I mean, they become standard mainstay. They're standard. They're uh, standard. Pil- they're all over Pioneer. They're all over yeah. Modern. And they even see some legacy play. Yeah, that card's amazing. And then oh. two uh, Five Fairy to Fairy for five mana yeah i personally if you're gonna think you're gonna play wandering emperor i would buy them today they're like probably not they're, going down like uh this and in fairness i don't see it is a rare it's only a rare nope it's no a it's a mythic never mind well it's a mythic and common Capania just came out so like 
Kamigawa was already peaked as far as like yeah. number of packs being opened. It's no longer to be opening in drafts and whatnot. Yep. Like Wandering like, Emperor is going nowhere but up. This honestly feels like 25 to 35 feels right for this card. But while it's seeing play in literally everything, and I don't think we've reached the cap of where it's going to be, 45 to 50 is not unreasonable to see this card hit. No, not at all. So yeah, sooner rather than later might be the right choice on these. Or if you can find them for a deal on Facebook or something. Three Snapcaster and two Solitude. Uh, Snapcaster is always a dead giveaway that you are just like a value machine. You're just dying to dig into that graveyard and reuse these things. Like reusing Counterspell, reusing Opt. I can't imagine. Mage's Charm. Like snapping a charm like that has to just be the best feeling in the be world. Be like, I mean, can you, imagine, can you imagine being in a top deck war on like turn eight? And it's like, oh, cool. Uh, pay two, Snapcaster, pay three, draw two. Um, I have a body and a grip. What do you have? Right. And then also you probably have Shark Typhoon down while you're at it. So you also have like three more. Oh, yeah. Three threes or whatever. But uh, pretty cool list. I believe was this all, this was a, uh, let me look at the land base. No, it wasn't. Okay. I was, I was curious. I, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember if I looked at it to see if it was a Yorian list or not. And it's not a Yorian list. This is just running 60 cards. So I'm going to make myself sound like an idiot here for a second. Again. Why do you think this guy's running a Triome? He's running it's Prismatic j- Ending. Gotcha. There yep. we go. Cool, good enough. It's one of those things that's super easy to miss because yep. it's just like you don't think about it. But yeah, splashing into a third color. Um, is it actually, is it even an on-color triumph or is it a... Yeah, it, it, it's a Jeskai. So like all it does yep. is it just makes it an extra... It just makes an extra... Red to, that it doesn't need. Cool. And I have uh, I thought about doing that also in some of my... Well, that's what, yeah, you had done that uh, in for, Mont- for, uh For Legacy too, where yeah. like even though I wasn't running... like It's one of the reasons I started running Jeskai... I mean, obviously, Jeskai's a standard, but it helped push me to Jeskai where, like, I already want to flash into a third color. I've even thought about flashing into a fourth color solely for Prismatic Ending and Legacy, just because that is a huge jump. From three, from two to three is, a, is an obnoxiously large jump, and three to four is a big jump. As, especially in Legacy, three gets you almost all of the kind of bullcrap hate cards, yep. like Choke and yep. uh, those kind of effects. And it gets you almost every Planeswalker, too. It gets you most of the Planeswalkers, and then four gets you the rest of the Planeswalkers. Yeah. I mean, what and, in Legacy costs more than four? Yeah. That, that doesn't just win rare. the game. Right. But yeah, that, that jump from two to three is huge. Yes. For it's, Prismatic uh, Ending. In, in fairness, the jump from two to three is probably what makes Prismatic Ending worth running. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't run Prismatic Ending in a two-color deck. If you can't afford to splash into a third color, even if it's just for Ending, you probably should reconsider running Ending at all. Because just folding to three mana permanence is just not acceptable. Unless you're in a Ragavan format. Unless you're in Ragavan. That's true. <laughs> yeah. The, now, that they're not running Ragavan, though. But. And that's the big difference between like leg- Legacy and Modern with Prismatic Ending yeah. is like we've got you don't have swords to plowshares to replace it. Mm-hmm. So it kind of is, it gets those early threats where it can, especially with Ragavan. Well, and yeah, there's the overall CMC of legacy is much lower too. Yeah. Especially in a Delver, especially in a Delver meta, which I'm still calling this a Delver meta. And then eighth place, is it prowess a deck that we haven't seen in, in a little while? Like we see, is it plenty, but we see, is it Murktide? This is not, is it Murktide? This is prowess. Storming. Entity. Oh yeah. This is totally different. Does yeah. This. Sprite dragon, soul scar mage, monastery, swift spear. And then the things you expect to see in a prowess deck: gut shot, lava dart, lightning bolt, uh, mutagenic growth, vapor snag, expressive iteration. Expressive iteration is kind of an interesting pickup. Like that's that's not what I expect to see in a um, in a prowess deck, except it's just one of the best draw two cards we've seen printed in the last fifteen years. If you're running red and blue, you yeah, just it, run it's just that your, card. It's like, and that's like that really is a that shows you how good that card is. Where this deck doesn't really want to be doing that. Except, why wouldn't you do this? It's it's, so good. In particular, if you actually look at the list, and I'm sure you have, this list really um, utilizes utilizes the expressive iteration well with gut shot, mutagenic growth, and mana morphos. Yeah. Like, 
getting any of those those free cards off the top where you're well, just like well, you Man Morphos isn't free. You still need to put no, two in. You had to put two in, but you get two out, so you can like yeah, you can still do those kind of turns. Yeah, and then you have the the mutagenic growth and the grape the, the gut gut shot. So you just yeah, doesn't you, matter if they're on top. Those, you do have a, a decent number of hits where you can go into it with no mana and still get a two for one out of it. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Very true. Yeah, I, I'm I, I have been looking at. I haven't mentioned anything about sideboards. I haven't seen anything particularly interesting in sideboards that I'm not like really expecting. Yeah, nothing like really off the wall no this guy (laughs) like so the only thing that is a little bit off the wall we got dragon's claw like Mm -hmm. we've seen it before but this guy was like you know what i think burn's gonna be in (laughs) well there's a lot of other stuff what i run is a kataki is a kataki fire no not kataki war mage it's a core firewalker yeah it's just white white yep it's the same thing but it's white white so this is uh i i could see running this well, and here's the deal. It even so helps the, you too. The uh, the firewalker is a creature, right? Yes. So it's a threat. This one, it's you lose out on it being a threat, but it triggers prowess. Oh, that's a good point. It does it does hit prowess. So yeah, if you can go like turn one creature, turn two creature, turn three that bump 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 yeah, gut it, shot. It's opt. like a, a real bad shock. With, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a good point. It's a good point. So the modern metagame summary: we've got uh, six decks, just like Delver. So eighteen point seven five, nineteen percent Merktide Regent. Even though we didn't see any in the top eight, Merktide Regent still is one of the more powerful decks you're seeing in modern these days. Yeah, best one was eleventh. Yeah, not nearly as not nearly as good as we usually see. We usually see one or two in the top eight. Hammer Time came in uh, with four decks, only twelve and a half percent. Hammer Time's really sunk down. Losing Lurus was a big hit to Hammer Time, where Hammer Time was kind of the de facto best deck, at least by numbers consistently. Yeah, like like bordering Delver numbers in Legacy, and we've dropped down to we're usually in that twelve to sixteen percent range, no more twenty percent, twenty two percent. Uh, then we have three Yawgmoth decks, which two of them were first and second. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yep. It's always funny when and I the see other like sixteenth. Yeah. Well, it's always amazing to me. Like, oh, there was only there was only two of this deck, and they came in first and third. Yeah. Um, then you've got uh, two burn decks. Oh, sorry, three Living End decks, two burn decks, and two Amo Titan decks. So most played cards: Counterspell, Lightning Bolt, Expressive Iteration, Mishra's Bobble, and Ragavan in fifth. It's interesting to see Counterspell and Lightning Bolt in top two. Counterspell being number one is pretty huge. That's a that's a very. I mean, that's there's your force of will. Yeah, we're in a modern is in a control meta right now. But the funny thing is, it's literally half of what force of will is, and that's Shh. that's again we we're not anti force of will. We don't want to bring I, that. Oh, um, I, if I'm sure some of our listeners have saw. And I talked. I, I made a post on it, and like I talked about how I, I was referencing another something that someone had said, and I was like, "Hey guys, like." The format might be unhealthy when Force of Will is 69% of the meta. And I got bombarded with hundreds of messages being like, oh, so we ban Force of Will then? We just ban Force of Will? Oh, do we ban Force of Will then? <laughs> and it's like, guys, <laughs> That's there's... That's not what I was getting at. Nope, Force of a... Will has deck building requirements and what Pretty that... significant ones. It's indicative of a very heavily blue yeah. format. Well, it's, we talked about if you're running Force of Will, you're almost certainly running Brainstorm Ponder. So you've got the first 12 cards of your deck... You've got 20 lands. So they're the first 33 cards of your deck are essentially identical to everything else if you're running Force of Will. Probably. Not always, but probably. But no. Do we ban Force of Will? Does Force of Will need to go? And you know what's funny is they're making the joke like, oh, clearly you mean to ban Force of Will. Brainstorm has a higher meta share than Force of Will. And Ponder. We're the anti-Ponder podcast. Ponder does too. Yeah. Just silly stuff. Top creatures. Ragavan, Endurance, Murktide, DRC, Solitude. Oh, it's uh, MH2, 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 MH2. Gotcha. And then top spells, Counterspell, Lightning Bolt, Expressive Iteration, Mistress Bobble, and Mystical Dispute. 
Did you go down all the way to seventh? Because those are all MH2. <laughs> oh, for top creatures? Yeah. Yep. Ragavan, yeah. Endurance, Murktide, DRC, Solitude, Esper, Sentinel, and Grief. <laughs> they put some really good creatures in MH2. And then Memnite. <laughs> yeah. Then, then, oh, my gosh. What was Memnite? That would have been, uh, that's that's not Phyrexia. What was Memnite? Uh, uh, I think it's like new Phyrexia. It's one. It's the second Phyrexia yeah. block. I forget. Good old, good old new Phyrexia like or whatever. Scars of Marodin or yeah. something like that. Memnite. Yeah. Zero mana, one, one. All righty. So that's modern. What? Affinity. <laughs> We're going to talk briefly about yes, Affinity. Yes, your Affinity deck. So um, it does have the core of the deck is the same. Uh, we did put in the bobbles like I talked about. Like, hey, I was like, this deck really feels like it could use Mishra's Bobble. Yep. Um. It does have Psy and Emery, two Psy and one Emery, and then Patchwork Automaton, which is a 1-1 yeah. one, one for two. Whenever you cast an art, uh, artifact spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and it's got Ward 2. That thing's a that beast. That is a very good card for that deck. I played that in a like a historic deck that I saw like someone play on you know YouTube or whatever. That thing's terrifying. Oh, apparently, I need to order some of those. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty expensive. They are like 30 cents. That's brutal it's gonna cost more to ship them than to buy them <laughs> yeah. yeah that thing that thing's a that thing's obnoxious i mean it's it's kind of in a different way but similar it's like psi it's like a smaller yeah psi where yeah, it's well, like it goes tall instead of wide yeah but you're turning these like all this bull crap you wanted to cast anyway into just you get like it's kind of like you get an extra half a card out of everything you cast yeah whereas psi gives you a whole card you get a one one this gives you half a card yeah so and again that Mistress Bobble, I wanted it as a one of, and mine just doesn't. There's a saga target. It's got a, this guy's got it as a four of because you want to be cycling through those free artifacts. Well, especially if you're running Psy, too. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like yeah. he's got Psy and he's got Patchwork Automaton. And then if, especially if you combine it with Emery where you yep. can bounce them in and out yeah, you, and get a bunch of value yeah, off that. You definitely want to have uh, Bobble in the yard if you've got Emery. Yeah. So awesome. Man, well done. Could you imagine? Is that, is, that, is that cast or enter the battlefield on Patrick Automaton? No, cast. Okay, so he doesn't. Wow, so they fixed it for Patrick Automaton, but they didn't fix it for uh, yep. Kappa Cannoneer. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, interesting. So now we're done. With gotcha. Now that we've talked about the thing I want to talk about, we can move on. All righty. So let's bump into, uh, let's do a quick overview of Pioneer, and then we'll start wrapping our episode up, and then we'll talk a little bit more about Pioneer in uh, in Patreon. So if well, as we get to Pioneer, if you guys really like Pioneer, um, if it's something you're really into, joining the Patreon will let me know, and I can start divesting more time and resources to it. And if enough people really are interested in Pioneer or really want to get into it, it's something we might entertain moving out of Patreon into the broader mass, like. Well. I, I, right now, I see Pioneer as a as a really good opportunity for some great content that now people are covering, but it's also kind of narrow because it's a new format that a lot of people don't look at just jumping into brand new format. So we're kind of yeah. dipping our toe into it. Yep. And on top of that, the it's also the format that I think we're both most interested in playing currently. Mm-hmm. Like at heart, I'm a legacy player. I would rather play legacy than Pioneer. Unless legacy <laughs> has been dog shit for nine months straight, yeah. <laughs> so it's a factor, <laughs> right? It's definitely a factor. I was I was on the Discord talking to some people because we, we were talking on uh, with Will and Aramis and some pa- and some uh, not some patrons but some followers, some viewers, just about like you know what MH two and how, like how legacy has changed and where it's at. And I one of the things I said we were kind of wrapping the conversation up was like you know it kind of, it sucks that the way Wizards has kind of 
become a predatory towards legacy. It's kind of cannibalizing its own consumer base by printing these hyper powerful cards that are mucking up the format. And between that and the price gouge, not price gouging, but the price problems of the reserve list, it just sucks because when legacy is good, it is in my opinion that it is the best format bar none 100% it is when it when it's not terrible even when it's not good it's just not terrible i'd rather play mediocre legacy yes. than almost any other game on like, magic like for, like modern's good i don't need legacy to be good to be for it to be the best it just needs to be not bad and it's the best right now it's kind of bad and that sucks because it's so good it you, can be one of the things that really excites me and if there's any viewers that like agree with me about the modern con- card design with pioneer is currently there are no direct to Pioneer sets. Mm-hmm. That's one of the problems that you're getting with Legacy and Modern, where they're printing these Modern Horizon sets or the Modern Master sets yep. for them, where they're directly entered, uh, like pushing cards directly yeah. into these formats. They're designed for them. Now, to their so, credit, they've done pretty good with Modern. If well, you it don't, depends on your if you don't mind Modern pseudo rotating and yeah. you need to spend a thousand dollars on a deck every two years. But if you just look at the the play patterns and the uh, like the meta of modern, they've done a good job. Yeah, but and that's that's what I'm worried about is those cards are so pushed. Like we talked about modern, the top oh. seven most played creatures are modern horizons two Matt, cards. Ragavan isn't that pushed. He's just a one man. <laughs> Neither two is Merktide Grief Subtle, not subtlety Solitude. Uh, solitude. Like, I mean, that's that's the type of stuff that you just don't see and Pioneer. While it will have plenty of its own problems because it's not like Wizards has ever screwed up yeah. a standard legal set either. Yep. But like they seem to at least the trend is uh standard is like waning a little Definitely. bit. The power level is waning. That's so I've seen a lot of people giving credit and well, I'll agree that like they have powered down standard beautifully and put standard in a very good place power level wise. And what that means is the cards filtering into Pioneer are in a good place power level wise. Right. But you do still have the the interesting thing to me about Pioneers, you do still have A, you have some of those like Theros type cards, like the sets where the power level was dialed up to 11. So like those are legal. So you do have a, in like Pioneer is very clearly more powerful than Standard. Like there's a very clear divide between those two where it's like if Standard is a five, Pioneer is an eight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's significantly more powerful than that. But relative to something like Modern or Legacy, you just don't have... yeah the just absurd stuff happening where games are potentially, I mean, you're talking about con, not consistent wins in modern before turn two or three, but potential wins. Oh, and yeah. it used to be when I started playing modern was explicitly a turn four format. Mm-hmm. That's why splinter twin was okay. Pioneer seems like at least in its current state, it's able to dodge some of that stuff because yep. it's only standard cards. Yeah. And if until you, they decide to change that. And if you haven't played pioneer since its inception or since before the pandemic, it's worth noting that, they did a lot of work on Pioneer, banning a lot of the trash. Because yeah. when Pioneer started, there was a lot of complaints about how it was a very combo format. It was not a fun. It was too fast. There was too much broken stuff. They have curtailed a lot of that. It's still there's still a lot of powerful stuff to be doing, but they've gotten rid of a lot of the trash. And so it's worth looking at it again if you haven't looked at it in a year or two. So we'll go through these pretty quickly. First place, we've got McWinsauce, who's just winning in every format with Mono Green. I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of stuff about Mono Green on Twitter and YouTube. This is definitely the format I'm the least educated, so I'll try and give my best perspective. Yeah. But, but like Mono Green is such a powerhouse with just how quickly it can, how quick and resilient it is in terms of getting lots of threats out, punching really hard, and then it has that. There's some, it's some Coco card. It's like six mana. 
um, it's like Storm the Festivities or Storm the Festival or something, but it's like Coco for six, but it goes and gets like anything in the top five. And it's just like, it gives the deck such hard resets after Storm like Portal. the Festival. Storm the Festival. Is, is, is it six mana? Four, uh, four green, green? Yeah. Uh, three green, green, green. Three green, green, green. So it's, yeah, pretty locked solid into mono green. Yeah, uh, yeah it's mono green, so it's six mana. Yeah, it was supposed to be like a fixed um, Coco because it's sorcery speed, it's six mana, it's three green. But what does it go get? Uh, so you look at the top five cards of your library, you may put up to two permanent cards with mana value five or less from among them into the battlefield, put the rest on the bottom, and it has flashback for 10. Yeah, that card's that Which, card's ridiculous. The funny thing is flashback for 10 sounds ridiculous until you realize the core of this deck is actually built around Nick, those Shrine to Nick. Yep. And that's getting deck. to 10 uh, mana is not unrealistic Especially at all. considering that the first one will quickly fuel into the second one. Right, and you've got like Cavalier of Thorns producing a lot of devotion. Yep. Uh, Currently, the only playable elf deck in Pioneer is uh, this deck. Yep, that runs Elvish Mystic and Llanowar Elves. Yeah, it's just it's just ramp, it's it's ramp all it's day. It's ramp, and it's not it's not just ramp into that. It's just ramp into big fat green creatures. And well, this used to be the kind of deck I play back in middle school. Only you were ramping into horrible creatures. Yeah. Now you're ramping into like spending five mana gets you a lot more than so what, it used what's to. What's that, that? What's that? It's like it's like green, green, green for like a five, five or whatever. What's uh, that? There's a there's an elf that does that. It's actually it is actually an elf. It's three green for a five four. Yeah. And I think it can't be. It has some like creatures whatever power thing. less than two or something can't yeah, block it. It's it's a, it's a three mana five four, but it costs green, green, green. So yeah. these mono green decks are pretty good about that. Up second, Bant Spirits. This is uh, one of the mainstays of the format. I've heard a lot of chatter about this. People are really into it. Um, I played against uh, a friend of mine that we were, but we've kind of gotten into modern together, or not modern, pioneer together. He plays a mono blue spirits just to keep the mana base cheaper and to keep it simpler. And even mono blue spirits is just, it's so brutal. It's yeah. such a fast, it's a very aggressive, solid deck. tempo deck. It's such a good tempo deck with um, just these really good quick counter spells with. Um, Spell quellers to come in and um, get great tempo, but what's the one that's a uh, four spike on a stick? Uh, they run in that in this one, Mausoleum Wanderer. Yeah, so one mana one one that you can sack it to four spike something. It it uh, it four spikes based on its power. Yeah, which it's in this deck isn't always huge, just one because you have plenty of spirit lords. Yeah, but just the fact that you can be sitting on two of these and just have at worst two dazes sitting on the board waiting is so strong. Well, and you can do some really cool stuff. So. It gets plus one, plus one whenever a spirit enters the battlefield under your control, and you've got a bunch of spirits with flash. Yeah. So you go, oh, you're going to do something. All right, I'm going to flash in this guy and then sacrifice him and then counter the spell you're going to play. So, yeah. like, there's just interesting little lines of play there. Yeah, there's some really, there's some really cool stuff in this deck. It's, there's a reason it's it, right now it's one of the top tier decks in, like, this is obviously the first time you guys are hearing about this, probably, but it is one of the top tier decks in Pioneer. Also, good to know, it is a Coco deck. So collecting oh, I even company. See that. Yep. So it's also this is yeah, that's what you're going into BAMP for. That's is that Coco? Oh, yep. There's not yeah, there's nothing green in your creatures. You're literally running forests explicitly for one of the best yeah. um instance in, in, in a creature deck like this. Thirty three creatures and four spells. And that's kind of the way I've Man. been approaching this format is like each one of these decks is doing something super strong. Yeah. Almost like they almost all have one or two cards that kind of define the deck. With Bant Spirits, it's obviously Coco. Like it's yep. a spirit deck, but that's why you're into Bant. Yeah. Well, Azoria Spirits is very common. Right. Um, but even then, like, so this is one of the things, like, there's actually three brews of spirits. There's mono yep. blue, there's Azorius, and then there's Bant. But like a lot of these cards, there's a couple defining cards. Like there's the pillars of the format, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And like 
you almost kind of want to pick, like if you're new to the format, this is the way I'm approaching it. Which of these pillars do you want to play? Mm -hmm. So like I'm looking at it going, I really want to cast Treasure Cruise. Yep. So like I'm going to probably end up picking a Treasure Cruise deck. Now there are several to choose from. Yeah. There's different ways to do that. But same thing with like Coco. Like if you're new to the thing, you'd be like, I want to play a Coco deck. Yep. I, or I, wanna, I want to play Winota, or you want to do uh, Lotus, like Lotus Field. Field. I want to play a combo deck, so I right. ended up picking the Boogeyman of the de- of the format. But I really wanted to play a really fun combo deck. Yeah, let's so. move this a little quicker. Let's get through this so we can get into the Patreon stuff because we got to save something for the patrons. So, what are you looking at me like that for you? Got I'm not. Say? Yeah, you fuck guess? you. <laughs> I don't know. All right, uh, five color fires of invention. <laughs> this was a deck that I was really excited when I heard existed, and I have uh, I've seen a lot of gameplay. I've been watching a bit of Aspiring Spike because he tools around a lot more than I do in terms of just bouncing around, and I have been regularly disappointed with this deck. Now it wins plenty, and it's a plenty good deck. Don't get me wrong, but it just seems like as I as I look back on my memories of playing it in standard, and I'll say it's those don't line up very well but the car, the deck was so stupidly good in standard and it is it is good but it's not what it was in standard now this is a different list than spying spike running this is a yorion list but i was kind of bummed out to see it what because that, that's the other deck i would have i would have gone with uh one of the reasons i didn't go with fires invention though is it's relatively expensive because it's usually four to five colors and that's a very expensive that's mana a lot base. of shocks and fast lands and yes. pathway like this particular one runs the pathways so yeah. in fourth place we have another boogeyman of the format, and one of those like you need to be prepared for this is Winota. Winota. So Naya Midrange. Winota is one of the more uh pushed cards from Ikoria and just that kind of era of like um of Theros and Throne of Eldraine and Ikoria. So the ability to every time a non human attacks, digging I think it's six deep for a human, regardless of CMC slapping it into play with indestructible and attacking, that thing's a beast. Fifth place is the deck I like to play, Hidden Strings. This is all based around uh casting things like hidden strings or uh, pour over the pages to untap a couple lotus fields. You get a lotus field, make a copy of it with Thespian Stage, and then make make tons of mana, draw tons of cards, game. People hate playing against it. In fairness, because it's one of those decks where you do a lot of solitaire, unfortunately. Like, yeah. like I'm almost for sure going to win, but it's going to take me some time. And it's like, just sorry. It takes time. And on top of that, it's not necessarily deterministic. That's people get, like, like a like, Yawgmoth thing. That's what seems to make people like the most upset is like, even though I'm drawing 25 cards this turn, like they, st- I get that it technically isn't deterministic, but they still like hold that kernel of hope. They're like, oh, I could get out of this. And it's like, it's like when you look at your opponent. Uh, in Legacy, and they cast Ad Nauseum in Storm, and it's like, well, he's only going to draw 20 cards. He could whiff 20 times in a row. Yep. He can, but like, uh, Aspiring Spike had a really good thing. He was saying um, sanity points are relevant in Magic, and you might it might be worth more sanity points to just lose the game than to make them make them Especially play when minutes. there's not, like, if you're in a challenge, you make them, it's not, yeah, it's if, not unheard of for yeah, people to just ten- two Force of Wills off at a Ad nauseum. If you're in a 10k, for yeah. sure. But yeah, you're in a challenge. You got 10 bucks in the line for this. Yeah, it might be worth your sanity points. Just to, they've almost certainly got it. Uh, sixth place, mono green again. Seventh place, Azorius Control. This is a deck that I've heard people talking about, um, especially as I mean, we did talk about. You should head over to the Plain Soccer's. They talked about it. We're getting Pioneer Light on Arena as Arena works up to Pioneer. Mm-hmm. So they're giving you a thing called Explorer where you get, we're starting at ground one and we're going to slowly add cards to get to where we can play Pioneer. And Azorius Control is one of those that seems to port pretty well into Arena. It's going to be probably a pretty good contender where you're basically missing Supreme Verdict and that's it. 
everything else is there. So it's it's going to be pretty strong probably just because it's already a really good, really well-tuned deck. But pretty powerful deck. Uh, eighth place, rounding it out, as all top eights should, a nice mono-red aggro deck. Earliest since I top eights, but every format should have some kind of aggro or burn deck. Yep, just to set the bar. Yep. Like you, you only get to dirtle for so exactly. long. Exactly. Something I, my, I mean, without a doubt, one of my least favorite decks to sit across from. Yeah, well, especially with yeah, with your Lotus Field deck, you're like, well, this deck can consistently kill me by turn four. Uh-huh. So it's, I'm just over here like, can you please leave me alone for like three more turns? <laughs> That's what those Leylines of Sanctity are for. Yeah, no kidding. But that is our Pioneer metagame. Let's head down. So the su- our metagame summary, we've got five Winota decks at 15.5%. We've got three Hidden String decks at 10 We've got three Is It Phoenix decks, a deck that Matt is thinking about picking up. Well, unfortunately, one of the more expensive decks. It is one of the more fun ones and very powerful. I mean, who doesn't want to cast uh, Arc Light Phoenix? Well, no. I shouldn't say cast. No one casts Arc Light Phoenix. No. And then uh, we've got two Fires of Invention and two Mono Red Aggro decks. Most played cards, Elvish Mystic, Land of War Elves. Finally, an elf meta. <laughs> no wonder Matt wants to play Pioneer. <laughs> Mystic Dispute, uh, Cavalier of Thorns, which that's going to be from your five-color... Uh, what's it called? Fires of Invention decks and uh, Fable of the Mirror Breaker. A really powerful card seeing a lot of play in Standard right now and a little bit of play in Modern because it turns out even a bad Kiki-Jiki is still really good. Yeah. Top creatures, Elvish Mystic, Land of War Elves, Cavalier of Thorns, Old Growth Troll. That thing's a beast. Yeah, the Cavalier's also in Mono Green Devotion. Oh, I didn't think about that because yeah. I guess it does. Yep. You We used to, used to see it. Maybe it's not in Fires of Invention. I played a lot of it when I played Standard, but that doesn't mean it ports over into the Pioneer ones. Matt will look it up for me. And then fifth place, Brutal Cathar. One of the best removal spells you're going to get in white in terms of like a uh, uh, Sky, Cra- Sky Shroud Claim. Sky Shroud Claim. Uh, Sky Shroud Apparition. Skyclave. Skyclave Apparition. I don't know why yeah. my brain turned off. But yeah, Skyclave Apparition type effect. Although this one's pretty cool. That's repeatable where, you know, it's a yeah, two minute two flops. Two. Yeah, if you can get to where you don't cast a spell and it flips and then you cast get to two take spells, another one. Take yeah. another one. The downside is that they do get them back if they kill it. So yeah, but that's pretty standard. Yep. And then top spells Mystical Dispute, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Oath of Nyssa, Karn the Great Creator, and Wolf Willow Haven. Alrighty, uh, as we come to the end of our episode, I'll give one more big shout out to the Planes Talkers podcast at planestalkerspodcast.com. Hit up the Discord, the Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash planestalkers, discord.com forward slash planestalkers, or discord.planestalkerspodcast.com. Check them out. If you, I mean, you can literally Google Planestalkers podcast. They've done a good job of getting everything out there. You can find them. But head over to the Discord. That's where we are. I'd love to see you pop into our Discord and say hello. Tell Will and Aramis we sent you, and maybe sign up for a game of Commander on Wednesday. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can check us out at cantripcartel at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group. Uh, it's just Cantrip Cartel on Facebook, and you can follow us on Twitter at Cantrip Cartel. And apparently you can check us out on Instagram at, uh, I guess it's just however you search Instagram, but you Cantrip yeah, just Cartel. Just go to Instagram and search for Cantrip Cartel. Yep. We're there. And if you want to support the podcast, we would appreciate you checking out our uh, our Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Cantrip Cartel. Matt, before we roll into some more Pioneer discussion, was there anything you want to talk about? No, I think that's just about it. All right, then I think we will see you guys next week. All right, have a nice night, guys. So at the end of your turn, I'm just going to... I'll make Thespian Stage a copy of my Lotus Field. Okay. Okay, so I'll go to my turn. Uh, I'm going to cast Hidden Strings. That nets four mana. I'm going to cast Hidden Strings again. That nets four more mana. Then I'm going to cast a Leer, uh, the Disciple, so I can my cards have flashback. Gotcha. So I'm going to make uh, eight more mana, from the, from the, and then I'm going to cast Omniscience. Ooh. Okay. Uh, Mystical Dispute. I'll 
pay for it. <laughs> it's my only answer. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, and Lear makes it uncounterable anyway. Oh, Spells well. can't be countered. Well, we're new to Pioneer. What a fool I was for paying. <laughs> right. <laughs> Got him. <'em. laughs> 